Welcome to episode 96 of Moonbeaming, a show for believers, highly sensitives, and creatives of all kinds. I am your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner, and my current identity is compost heap. (laughs) Kidding, not kidding. I don't know about you, but I am in the change and the breakdown and the pivot and the breakthrough and the process. But I don't yet know exactly what into. I will share more once I get to the other side. Right now, I'm deep in a composting process of asking myself, what don't I want anymore? What am I not interested in anymore? What do I want? What is not resonant with me? What's not serving me? What's holding me back? And what do I want to make space for, even if it's energetic, even if I don't yet know the form, right? This is Moonifestation 101. This is Lunar Technology 101. We know we have to clear. We know we have to compost. We know we have to sort. So if you're here with me, welcome. This is also very seven of it all, the seven of it all. We're in a seven year. This is very chariot. If you need more info on why I might be saying this, you can go back to our two, count them, two episodes on the chariot, or you can download our studio's chariot year workshop, which of course is our tarot archetype of the year. This episode is the last episode of season five. Season five, an epic season indeed. I think it is our longest season. I just wanted to keep going. And so I did. (laughs) Hopefully you can feel the excitement and care I put into this season. It started in October, I think. I wanted to have conversations with some incredible folks, which I did. I wanted to touch upon a large, wide range of topics, which I did. I wanted to cover all of the tarot cards that related to last year's card of the year. I'm going to do all of the sevens next season, season six. I wanted to talk more about running a business as a creative with ethics and values, which I did. And now, just like that, we are in March. And yes, I did make a Sex in the City reference. And I'm not sorry. I'm maybe a little sorry for watching the whole reboot, but maybe I'm also not. I don't know. Ambivalence. She's everywhere. Is she not? All right, let's keep going. This wouldn't be a proper end of a season without a huge thanks to my patrons. After doing one 
season of this podcast of Moonbeaming, I realized I couldn't do it without financial support. It costs money to create a podcast. You're paying a platform to host all of your files, and it takes a lot of time. This is an independent podcast. It's just me, myself, and I always remember how much work doing a podcast is when I listen to the credits of other podcasts and there are nine people or something who are working on it. And it's just myself, our wonderful editor, Amelia at Softer Sounds. Hire Amelia for all your podcast editing needs. And an assistant producer, Hazel, was with us until the end of 2022. And we will have a new assistant producer for season six, which will begin in the spring. So I had a friend mention when, you know, I told her, I just don't think I can do this. She said, why don't you start Patreon? And I did. And you supported this here pod. You supported the free work of the studio, which includes our weekly newsletter, which has a ton of additional information and education and shares, anything free that we put out when you join our Patreon, you're supporting us. And you signed up and you supported us. And that means that Moonbeaming can continue. And I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much, patrons. You will be receiving a couple of surprise secret episodes while the main podcast is on hiatus. So look out for those in our Patreon. And you'll also, of course, be hearing from us with our tarot spreads and all of the other ways that I share with you there. And thank you, gentle listener. Thank you for being here. Thank you for leaving a review. Thank you for sharing on social media. Thank you for forwarding to a friend or two or 17. Your attention means so much. It makes me feel less alone. I often feel lonely in my ethics, with my values, with certain thoughts. And it is your love that makes me feel less so. And that, of course, is priceless. The last announcement I just wanted to share before getting into the heart of today's episode is we still will be having workshops at the studio, even though the podcast is on hiatus, on vacation. Not really. I'm not on vacation, just taking a break. We are going to have two workshops in March. One is an Equinox Reset Celebration on Friday, March 17th, and then another workshop on Sunday, the 19th, that is called How to Make a Decision, Decision Magic. I'm really seeing that weekend and that following week as one to bookmark. Listeners, bookmark that energetically for rituals or spells or to create different kinds of openings or a fresh start because we have the equinox. Then we have a new moon. This is the first of two new moons in Aries. 
it's the only new moon that is not going to be an eclipse for a while. So if you're hearing this ahead of time, get your cute little ducks in a row, then join us Friday and or Saturday to get refocused on growth and fresh starts and to celebrate and partner with the energy of the zodiacal new year. In April, we're doing another round of protection magic just in time for eclipse season. That is the perfect time to do protection magic to clear your energy. If you sign up for our newsletter, you'll be the first to know about that offering. There's also probably going to be another one like single workshop with a phenomenal guest at the end of April or the beginning of May. So if you sign up for the newsy, the newsletter, you can subscribe, click the link in the show notes. You'll be the first to know about all of those. While I'm not on this channel, I am certainly on other channels. That's what we've got. Let's get into this week's topic, which is do 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 decision magic. I wanted to start out this episode about decision magic with a story pulled directly from my own life. And that is a tale about how a traumatized three-legged pit bull with separation anxiety ended up helping us buy our house. See what I did there? A tale? It's a pun. I know. I'm corny, but I enjoy. I enjoy. Yes, it's true. Once upon a time, or maybe like five years ago or so, we adopted our rescue pit. She's a blue pit. I have a soft space in my heart for blue pit bulls, rescue pit bulls, that is. She is a tripod. She has three legs because her past owners abused her and she had to undergo a series of emergency surgeries before she was nine months after she was taken away from her first owners. And that's when we found her and when we adopted Gigi. We just moved into our first nice apartment in LA. We had spent something like five years in a tiny little 500 square foot apartment with no insulation where we could hear every sneeze, every phone conversation, every groan, every moan from our neighbors. They did construction on our apartment and they didn't finish. So there were holes in our walls where we could see straight through to the outside. I'm not joking. And that was, I think, right when the first Stranger Things came out. And I remember once I like had a nightmare and I woke up in the middle of the night and I went to the kitchen and there was a hole like it was dark and there was a hole out to the outside. And I started panicking for a minute because I thought I was in the upside down world for real. Just to give you a little taste of 
what the fun of renting in Los Angeles can be like. And honestly, this wasn't a super terrible apartment. We looked at a lot worse, which brought us to that one, but it just, we were ready for an upgrade, okay? So we move into this really nice, newly refinished apartment. It had a dishwasher. We always made a joke, me and my partner, I was the dishwasher. They're like, where's your dishwasher? And my partner would like point to me because we hadn't had a dishwasher, I think for, I don't know, seven, eight years. And so it had a dishwasher. It was in a great area. It was big. It was like 800 square foot. There were no holes in the walls. (laughs) Shockingly, we had our own parking space, which we had never had before. Like we had so many parking tickets in LA. Again, if you're in LA, you get it. I mean, we were thrilled. We felt like we had won the lotto with this apartment. It was also affordable. And so we adopted Gigi about five or six months after we moved in. The thing was that we didn't know when we adopted our rescue is that the dog had really bad separation anxiety. When Gigi is around people, she's fine. She's quiet as a mouse. She like never barks. But apparently when we left, she would howl as if someone was doing terrible things to her. And she howled not for five minutes, like after we left, but the whole time, like the three hours. Now, how did we find out about this? We found out when our landlord called us about a couple weeks after having Gigi because one of our neighbors in the fourplex recorded her and sent it to him without talking to us or letting us know what was going on. Cute, right? We had no idea. No one left a post-it. No one knocked on our door and let us know. They just reported us to management. So suddenly we were the bad tenant, the bad neighbor, and we were stressed about it. We took Gigi to the dog trainer. We took Gigi everywhere with us. We put her in doggy daycare when we could not take her with us. But we didn't know what we were going to do because it was getting really expensive and hard. And her separation anxiety was showing no signs of stopping. And I think between the years of living in tiny apartments and feeling the housing insecurity, feeling like our neighbors were against us or, you know, didn't want to have a direct conversation and want to just report us, something inside of me snapped. And I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. We have to buy a house or I think we have to move out of LA. Now, previously, it had never entered my mind that I could even own a home in LA. Like we lived paycheck to paycheck for a really long time. At about the same time, my partner graduated from nursing school and got a great job And my business started to take off and I had some money saved up. My business had done well for about two years prior. I was working all the time, so I didn't spend it. I didn't do anything with it. I 
live really frugally anyway, and I had put some savings away, but it wasn't a lot. It wasn't enough to put the idea that, oh, we're going to buy a house with this, right? But we hadn't been planning on it. I know that there was a lot of doubt there, but I had made my decision, and that was that. And another kind of tangent that I do want to add here that might be useful to you or, you know, hopefully maybe or just open up your way of thinking about these kinds of things is that some of the most important changes and the most positive changes in my life have come from anger or exhaustion or feeling like I was at the end of my rope. When I got my really serious health diagnosis, it motivated me to get more serious about making money in my business because I thought, oh, I might not be able to work at some point and no one's gonna, no one's coming to save me. Like I need to figure this out. And being underutilized and underpaid in previous jobs and having about a decade as a waitress, a caterer, working in food service and feeling really frustrated led to me working for myself. And really the key word, I think perhaps more than anger or exhaustion is frustration. When I am frustrated enough, something opens inside of me because that's a sign something is opening inside of me because nothing is opening around me. Something has to open inside of me to balance whatever constrictions might be around me. This is very chariot archetype. I'm a chariot card. That's my life path card. And this is also very tower as teacher card. And in true tower chariot fashion, those are those moments where when you have to reconfigure your foundations, you move. Your foundations are tower, movement is chariot. When things might appear to look like a dead end, that's when you have to find a way to forge a different way ahead. So I made a decision. We were going to look for a house. So we never had to worry about being evicted or reported on by our neighbors or have holes in the walls or anything else. And That decision was decision magic with a lot of tenacity, with some magic. We did, we did a sex magic spell to be exact. It was about five months later and we moved into our house. It even had a doggy door for Gigi and a little yard. We have a little yard, little front yard where we play with her. I wanted to share this story because it illustrates a fun fact about reality, which is that we can make it up and we can create it. There can be an opening at any time. And often it is in a tight spot or a disappointment or a seeming dead end or deep frustration that pushes us to think outside of the box, to expand and to go beyond momentary feelings of defeat or constriction. I love this quote by Elizabeth Gilbert, which says, I'm going to read from a piece where she writes about this. I've never seen any life transformation 
that didn't begin with the person in question finally getting tired of their own bullshit. She goes on to write, the first step is always, always, always identifying my own role in the problem and then refusing to accept any arguments from myself about my ability to change that storyline. Get whatever help you need to change it, but change it. Once you are clear and decided, the wheels of transformation start to turn. Don't let your ego or your damage con you into thinking that change is possible for other people, but not for you. Don't be seduced by your limitations. They have nothing to offer you but stagnation. I'm sharing this because I think that we can have misconceptions about change or growth that gets tangled up with perfectionism, if then thinking, when then thinking, which says, when I'm more resourced, then I'll blank, right? Or when someone gives me a permission slip and tells me, oh, yes, you're good enough, do that, then I'll do the thing, you know, whatever it may be. We're kind of taught to be that way. People keep waiting for the right circumstances to be better or less crunchy or when they have more time or feel 100% clear. And the fact is, for most of us, ambivalence is always a part of our life. I talked about that a lot in previous episodes. The circumstances aren't ever more clear or we're not ever totally ready We often have to proceed as best we can with what we have with the information available to us. And that means for most of us or some of us, we have to carve out the time doing the best we can with what we have. In one of my past newsletters, I shared a graphic. It got a lot of shares on social and a lot of people love the newsletter where Our capacity, we think we have to show up at a 10 every day, but that's not what showing up and consistency looks like. It looks like just little by little, day by day, showing up the best you can, showing up if you're, you know, sick or not feeling great, but showing up as best you can. Maybe it's five minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. In the Chariot Year workshop, I shared these awesome bed paintings from Matisse. He's in his bed and he's like drawing in his bed. And that's really inspiring to me as is images of Frida Kahlo painting in her bed. For those of us who have chronic illness, you know, and who are not able to stand up or sit at an easel, we can maybe draw or doodle or sketch in our bed, right? For a lot of us, we're not going to get like society ushering us into greatness. We're not going to get an external permission slip. A mentor isn't going to drop out of thin air and save the day and guide us into our fullness or the trophy or whatever it may be. Our intuition, our dreams, and maybe, if you're a little bit like me, 
our frustration highlights what we don't want so we can clarify what we do. And then that becomes our permission slip. And that has to be enough. Us wanting something or us not wanting the same result has to be enough. So I I ask you, gentle listener, can you let whatever it is, whoever you are, be enough? Can you let that enoughness or confusion or frustration, can you allow it to motivate you into making different decisions and then proceeding or proceeding differently? If you need to begin by naming what you don't want or what you're ready to stop or what behaviors you're ready to stop or what you're not available to anymore, then awesome. Then can you also be clear about what you do want? So I'm teaching this how to make a decision workshop about decision magic on the 19th. And it all stems from my Many Moons piece from the upcoming new moon that coincides with the equinox. And I'll just read an excerpt here from Many Moons to ground us into what decision magic is. Decision magic is ensuring that an outcome will happen through your actions, belief, and allowance. A decision ensures that an outcome will happen. We may not know how or when, but somewhere a door opens. A timeline is set in motion and momentum builds. Decision magic is a surefire way to get out of stuckness. It reframes our mindset from a question mark to an all caps exclamation mark. This creates a pathway elsewhere. What is already in motion easily stays in motion. No matter what, decision magic ensures that something will happen. And something leads to another. I go on to say, decision magic is simple yet highly effective because it highlights that your time will be invested, not spent. Spent time is time you don't get back and too much of life experienced that way leads to frustration and feelings of disempowerment. Invested time enriches your all-over life. It is the stuff of growth, education, relationships, enjoyment, play, healing, connection, and rest. Invested time doesn't need to always be super meaningful, but it does have to be conscious. In the workshop, we're going to do a series of exercises to clarify through our subconscious, then our somatic self, then our frontal lobe, and we'll probably do some group meditation through trance. We're going to do a bunch of writing exercises and prompts to clarify what we want. And I wanted to share a couple of things for you to think about moving into our upcoming gathering and ahead of this phenomenal new moon at zero degrees Aries, which is a critical point. It has meaning that I go into more in the many moons piece. I write about that there. So many moon 
Many Moons People. You can read about it extra, extra, read all about it there. I'll talk about it in the workshop, of course. But here are just a couple of frameworks, some ideas when we're thinking about decision making and decision magic. The first is that any decision we make that will set us on a different timeline most likely will involve some level of discomfort. We often have to trade short-term discomfort in order to receive long-term gain. You might have to have a really uncomfortable conversation in order to get a raise or a particular monetary payout. I have a couple of folks I know in the process of doing that right now. You might have to wake up earlier than you'd like or stay up a bit later here and there to finish a certain project or to care for your child. Shout out to all the parents who constantly experience that short-term discomfort so their child can feel supported in the longer term. You might have to turn someone down that you love in order to prioritize your own rest. It goes on and on. I also want to say I'm not glamorizing hardship. In fact, one of my words of the year is ease. Waka waka. I am finding it difficult. (laughs) I'm finding ease difficult. I think I've talked about this before. I'm actively working on ease, which is a challenge for me. I know it's ironic. Waka waka. Here we are. It's why we're working on it. But you know what? I'm making baby steps. I have a lot of really uh, great incremental baby steps that I'm marking. And that's another thing. Whenever we're creating any kind of change, I think it's important to be really clear about the parameters and what you did and what you've done. And I'm going to get into that in the workshop too, where a lot of times those of us who have ADHD or a history of trauma, we can be very either or. And if we, you know, say we're going to do something for, like, say we're going to have some project only take three hours, and it takes longer, we can get really down on ourselves, and then we'll stop. And we won't celebrate the progress we've made. So I always think it's really important to keep track of what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what actually changed. And remember that change happens little by little, bit by bit, especially if you're neurodivergent, especially if what you're trying to do is linked to something subconscious or some belief you have about yourself or is linked to your nervous system or your family of origin and on and on and on. It it doesn't happen overnight. And there's probably going to be a level of discomfort, maybe even some aspects of cognitive dissonance. Anything different that you're trying might also force you to confront who you think you were versus who you are really, right? If you were, for example, the outcast of your family, but then maybe you become super beloved 
at your place of work or with your housemates or, you know, you create a family of your own, you have to change a story about who you are and maybe who you thought you were. And that can be a major undertaking. And I would also say, of course, it acts in reverse. Maybe first you have to begin shifting your self-concept to look for evidence that, in fact, whatever someone told you that's in your shadow about who you are is actually contrary, you know? And that also, I am... I am going on a tangent, although I was told by folks in clear channels that they don't mind the tangents, but it feels relevant. And I'll probably talk much more about this in upcoming episodes of the pod. This is also where you might have to distance yourself from certain people who have ideas about who you are when in reality, you're not that person. And these are just projections. And for a lot of us, it might be our family of origin. It might be people that we met 10 years ago, or seven years ago, or five years ago, that we're different now, and and they're still engaging in certain dynamics or seeing us in a certain way. And that can be painful as well. But you have to look for the contrary evidence and you have to look for evidence that, in fact, who you are, the beloved artist or the, you know, beautiful harmonic soul is real, even though other people might be telling different stories about who you are, you know, as so many mystics and coaches and self-help folks and tarot readers Remind us, it's our concept of self that must change alongside our external life. The other question along that trail, I suppose, is who do you need to become in order to make this change? What qualities do you need to bring up and practice in order to utilize decision magic effectively. Decision magic highlights our choices. Decision magic underscores the fact that we do have choice. I believe I talked about this in the interplay between lovers and chariot, like how what we learn in lovers, which is choice, brings us to chariot, which is what we do with those choices. And I talked about change and choice in that chariot workshop. And I wanted to bring up a point there that I highlighted, which is we always have at least three choices. There are always at least three different ways we can decide to move forward. And then if one way doesn't work, we can try another. My rabbi once said there are three different kinds of change. There is change that is initiated from within There is change that is initiated externally, and then there is change that is a mixture of the two. That is that interplay. Our imagination withers and we shut down when we believe we do not have options or choices, but we do always have a choice. 
And the last framework I wanted to leave you with today is one I come back to all the time. If you've taken moonbeaming or production magic, you'll hear me talk about this. It's one that's always worked for me, hasn't failed me yet. And that is the concept of sphere of influence and how to utilize our sphere of influence practically, energetically, and magically. Our sphere of influence includes all the resources we have, all we have available to us. I have a great diagram I'll share with the newsletter and the class of the sphere of influence as I interpret it, but basically it involves all of our resources and all resources outside of us, our helpers of all kinds, and we gather those and we move from there. We use what we have to move us forward bit by bit. There's always that witchcraft philosophy that we make change maybe 3% or 5% at a time, that we're not going from a point A to point Z. That's not going to happen. But we definitely can go from point A to point B. And I know that there are some mystics that will say a timeline jump is a quantum leap from A to Z or A to Q or A to whatever we decide. I have experienced that. I think in some ways, the story I shared at the beginning of the episode was that it was kind of like a decision magic leading to a bonafide timeline jump that I myself might not have understood as such, like if my partner wasn't with me and all of that stuff. I know I'm digressing. Maybe I'll get into that in the workshop. Folks, you can bring that up. We can get into it. The point is we use what we have to move us forward because the framework I will always share with you, I will always teach you, I will always coach you from, I will always give you a tarot reading from is our resources. What do you have already? What are your resources? Whatever that looks like for you. Not what you think you should be doing. The sphere of influence is awesome because it encourages one to really accept where you are and start where you are. Like many of you, I'm dealing with burnout, among other things, like many of you. So my sphere of influence has to deal with that first with rest, with managing my energy and time, with caring for my health and rebuilding my spark. And also my sphere of influence includes all my wisdom, my experience, my energetic expertise, my magical knowledge. So I'm quite resourced in spite of my burnout. I'm quite resourced because I have a lot of skills and a lot of experience and a lot of access to my intuition and my guides. Sphere of influence is always both and. It's holographic, like everything magical. And our sphere of influence grounds us while also reminding us of the possibilities that are available to us. The other thing that both the sphere of influence emphasizes and that decision magic emphasizes is choosing your perspective and your narrative carefully. 
Did you have a friend breakup and the narrative you are telling yourself is you're always going to be alone or another kind of sad tale? Or could you tell a different narrative about you finally became drenched in self-love and brave enough to be honest to share your needs with another person and in doing so did that clarify who was available to meet you in repair and with capacity did that clear away someone that wasn't available to you and now you have space to care for yourself focus on people who are there for you and who do love you and maybe even meet other friends where you'll be clear off the bat and you'll be in your new energy. This is a huge thing that all of us are doing right now, by the way, and that's why I'm bringing it up. You're not alone. A rock bottom is not the end. In tarot, the 10 of wands and the 10 of swords are often thought of as an ending, a rock bottom kind of sad, sad tale ending. And maybe there is a reckoning, a pain, a betrayal. What happens after the 10? Well, you get the ace. Maybe you tried something and it didn't go the way you would like or prefer. But you tried and you learned. And what are you going to do now? Maybe you need a timeout, some recovery. Maybe you need to regroup, get into therapy if you can afford it. Great. And then let yourself open up to the spark again. Let yourself make a decision to begin again. Decision magic can help you open new doors and create new pathways. And if you're struggling with how to make a decision, hopefully what I shared with you here today is going to get you thinking, and we're going to go into it a lot more on March 19th. So that's what I wanted to leave you with today for our final episode of season five. It feels very appropriate. There are a lot of other aspects and techniques to decision magic that I'll go through more. Of course, that is discussed in Many Moons, our 2023 spiritual guide that many of you have and the patrons have as well. And honestly, this year with Many Moons, the monthly themes have been on point. If you know, you know this month's theme is the long exhale. I am feeling that long belly breath, exhale, maybe you are too. We're going to cover more foundations together, like the three Ds, determination, devotion, and discipline. That's what makes any 1D, 2D into 3D. And you'll have some space to really get into writing what you're ready to decide and come up with a plan. Until then, I invite you to start where you are, gather your resources, Really clarify your sphere of influence and think about what energy, what dream, what goal, what versions of yourself 
you're ready to commit to and make some decision magic for this upcoming new moon. Here are some prompts that you can use. We'll be journaling to them in the workshop too. I'm pretty sure we'll do a tarot spread. How are you going to make a way out of no way? Or what choices do you have available to you now? What short-term discomfort are you going to trade for long-term gains or transformation? What identities do you need to reinvent or create? What narratives about yourself or stories do you need to change? What new perspectives do you have to align with now, believe in, and integrate? How can the three Ds, determination, devotion, discipline, support you? How will you implement them around your decisions? Hopefully those seven questions can help clarify some decisions for you so you can go ahead and make some decision magic. I am sending you so much love. I'll be seeing so many of you in the Patreon, through our newsletter, or in our upcoming gatherings. For the rest of you, happy Equinox. I'll be back in springtime for season six of Moonbeaming. In the meantime, be good to yourselves and one another.